welcome welcome episode number 36 here on haunts up and yeah i actually don't know where to begin for this because this is something this is actually a band that we wanted to really talk to on the podcast we've actually talked to dan tomkins who was associated or and is still associated I keep forgetting that <laughs> I with every new album that Tesseract releases, I expect a new vocalist now. That's just the norm. I'm sorry, Dan. Sorry for saying that. But anyways, the big news was that Tesseract is coming down to India again. Yeah, the yeah, second time this the year. The second time this year. Wow, right? Huge achievement. Yay to all Tesseract fanboys. And they're going to be playing in Meghalaya. Right? At the NH7 weekender. Yeah, of course. And... This time around, we reached out to James Monteith. Monteith. I'm really sorry, James, but I'm absolutely massacring your name here because I'm not that cultured enough to know how to pronounce it. M-O-N-T-E-I-T-H. Yeah. And he and he's the guitarist for Tesseract. And not only that, uh, I've been in touch with him over the past few years because of his uh, PR company, Whole Tight PR. Yeah, so and... Um, that's a very cool thing that he actually does. He is the director and we caught him at a time when he was in the middle of work. So we had very little time with him. And also, I think in the cacophony of the office, the recording isn't as crisp or as good sounding as we normally yeah. kind of have. So please bear with us on that. Uh, I'm going to just shrug it as something that James needs to do with us again yeah, at an eventual I mean, time. Yeah, it definitely, because, you know, when Tesseract played earlier on this year, we were trying to reach out to them and get in. It didn't work yeah, out it didn't for work out that time. It may work out for us this time. I don't know if we'll actually be going to Meghalaya or not, whatever we hope. But uh, let me tell you the basis of this interview. So since Tesseract was coming up again, we didn't really want to talk Sonder because Sonder is like, it's almost a, it, it is a year old now. So we didn't want to visit that route. Instead, we are focusing heavily on what it takes to um, essentially come down to India and play a show. And what happens if the show doesn't go according to plan? And how can any band kind of, uh, well, save face after that? And this happens because of my very traumatic Tesseract experience yeah, yeah. in Bangalore. You'll listen to more of that on the pod. Uh, here he is, James Monteith. All right, and joining us all the way from his office desk in England, <laughs> I'd like to welcome to Horns Up. Welcome, James. How are you doing today? Hey, man, I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Doing all right. <laughs> all right, so... You know, I was just doing a bit of research uh, while I was like preparing for this interview. And while I typed in your name in Google, the second kind of prompt that I got was James Montier height. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure like trying to understand SEO and stuff, there are a lot of people trying to figure out how tall you are. So just mm. for the record, how tall exactly are you, James? I am one meter, 97 centimeters tall. There you go. That's precise. 1977 centimeters. Yeah, so that's yeah. almost like six, almost six, six. Wow. <laughs> yeah, six, six, five and a half fish, I think. Or, uh, <laughs> I like to go with the metric measurement because I know that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so
and he's not even trying hard. That's just the way he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and he's you like the best view as well. I can see the furthest yeah. out of everybody. Like yeah, it's, it has its advantages being wrestlers. Yeah, really connect with the people who are at the back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All hide from the people at the front. So, call it coincidence or what, but like one during one of our recording sessions a couple of weeks ago, Animesh and I were talking as to who we should get as future guests, and um, one of the names that came up was yours. And soon after that, or like within a week or so, Tesseract was announced uh, to come back to India and play. Uh, at the Meghalaya Shillong uh, N87 weekender. So, you know, perfect timing. How does it feel? Are you excited to be back in India? Second time this year already, yeah? Yeah, second time this year. It's crazy because um, we haven't actually played in before this year. The last time we played India, I think it was 2012. Maybe it was 2011, actually. Yeah, I think it was 2011. So we hadn't been to India in a very, very long time. So to now come here and play twice in one year is amazing. And, um, I guess it's easy to forget how huge a country India is, and I suppose we could really we could come back every month and play a different city because it's so massive. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing to be asked to come back, and we're really excited. Yeah, it is. It is a really huge country, and um, that's actually going to segue into my next question, which is, what's the travel going to be like this time around? Because Meghalaya isn't as well connected as say a Bombay or Pune is, so. Um, like how far early are you guys coming in to the country? Um, I know we're flying two days before and um, and yeah we land I don't know I actually don't know where we're changing but yeah we're landing obviously at a major airport and then have to change again to uh, fly to Shillong so uh, yes it's going to take a bit longer than usual I think but you know I can't complain apparently I've basically looked it up and it looks like a really beautiful part of the world so and I have loads of amazing things to see um, I know our tour managers are arranging some kind of temple tours for us. Apparently, there's some really interesting stuff to check out in the city. And yeah, I'm really excited. That's always uh, nice. A little bit of work, a little bit of play. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to go back, uh, the first time you played India was in support of uh, Meshuggah at the Great Indian Rock Festival. And you played uh, multiple shows across India. This was 2010. And this mm. next month, the show you're playing is going to be your fifth trip in less than a decade. So what changes have you kind of noticed on your trips over the years, both in the audiences and shows alike? Well, that's interesting. I remember, I think the second time we came, we had an interesting experience when we played a university show and they segregated all the, uh, uh, the genders. So you had boys on one side, girls on the other. And that was kind of hilarious because there was like thousands of like males and there was literally like, a handful of girls at the front of the girls' side. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if that's a common thing so much anymore. I don't know. In all honesty, I guess we haven't really, we never get to see quite enough, and we always go to different places, so it's quite hard to make a comparison. Um, but it does feel like rock music and heavy metal music um, is very much alive in India. And that's, yeah, and it's, well, it's maybe growing. I don't know. So many bands seem to be going to India now, um, and it's great. Mm-hmm. This next one actually stems from being part of a band as well. Traveling together has its ups and downs, and especially so when you're in each other's faces almost the whole time. Um, how do you unwind, and how does everyone in Tesseract deal, uh, or how have you guys dealt with this over the years of being together as a band? Um, I suppose just keep busy, really. Um, like I do a lot of my day job work while I'm on tour. That keeps me occupied. 
Um, there's always plenty of alcohol to drink if you want to, you know, forget about the day that's just happened or, you know, continue to enjoy the day. Um, I don't know, I think everyone just keeps themselves occupied with a lot of things they do themselves. So, um, so we do have a lot of alone time, I suppose. We may be together in a room, but we're all, our heads are all somewhere else doing different things. And I think, I think that keeps it quite healthy because we're not in each other's faces too much. Um, but I think, I think in terms of all the travel we've done, we're quite lucky in that we all get on very well. And, you know, we all, I think we all enjoy each other's company. Uh, we also don't see each other very much when we're not on the door. So I guess it's, um, yeah, I think we have, we've, we've got a nice balance going on. All right. Um, I, I want to uh, rewind a little bit back to uh, a show in Bangalore. I think this was the one in 2011. This was the one that got rained out. Do you remember that? 13. Yeah, that was 13, I think. Oh, that was 13? 14. 14. Uh, 14. Sorry. 13. Yeah. Oh, 13. Yeah. 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 yeah the one that got fun. rained out. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I have to ask this, and possibly it's to help people understand why these sort of decisions are taken. Why does a show get cancelled at the last minute? And mind you, I'm not talking about Bangor specifically. Um, well, it's usually because there's no way the show can happen. Like, the reason why that show got cancelled was because there was a torrential downpour and the stage wasn't equipped to cope with it. Um, when we were trying to do changeover, we were, everyone's getting electric shocks off um off cables like it was it was dangerous but um i think the band before us and saw watching from afar one of their guitar players got, had, got um, had an electric shock part way through the set and had to walk off stage so he couldn't play anymore um and i think um one of the speaker stacks stopped working as well because something shorted out so basically there was absolutely no way we could play um, I mean, we're I mean, we're really gutted. It's a long way to go to not do anything. Of course, um, but yeah. there's absolutely no way we could do it. Um, and I think that's that's the only reason the show will ever be cancelled is if it's like if there's absolutely no way it can happen. It's very rarely for like a trivial reason um, because ultimately we want to go and play places, and that's why we do this. If we if we didn't want to play shows, then yeah, we wouldn't travel halfway around the world to do it. Yeah. Uh, that actually sets me into the next question. It's kind of related to what you do as well, uh, being, um, you know, the, the, the director at your PR agency as such. Um, how does the band really deal with such situations? Because, yes, I agree with you. It's highly unlikely that a show gets canned because of the band. But in the end, the audience will say it's the band that didn't play. And the band kind of gets made the poster child where it really shouldn't. It's almost like a reputation yeah. crisis, right? In a way. To a degree, but I think the band just needs to be very open and honest and say, we need to say this is why I got cancelled. I mean, I mean, in terms of that particular gig, like we all just came out, we, we, we took our rider into the crowd and we started sharing our drinks with people and we just hung yeah. out. Uh, had to explain basically to people directly what the problem was. Um, we actually had a more serious incident on our last US tour, where just before we went on, our stage box blew up and wow, and, um, we, we couldn't play. So we literally went on stage, we started playing, it died. And we were supporting between the bed and me, so we had no time. So there was absolutely no, you know, there's no, by the time we had switched it out for another piece of gear, our set would have been finished. So we had to walk off stage and that was actually a much harder one to deal with because people mm -hmm. heard us playing and then saw us stop playing 
and then we were there for a few minutes and then had to walk off. And um, again, uh, me and a few of the other guys went out in the went to the merch desk to explain to people. But still on the internet, we got torn to pieces and lots of people were giving us loads and loads of aggression for it. And, and I mean, all you can do is explain the situation, make a real effort to explain it, and do it personally if you can. Okay, so in this day and age, do you think all bands should be equipped with some sort of PR management to some degree? I mean, something could uh, go around at any time. And plus, this is the age of social media, so you never know where something may happen. Yeah, I think um, I think bands can do a lot of PR in that sense themselves. I think you just need to be very conscious of how the audience will perceive you and do the right thing to explain the situation. Like, like for example... Like the thing that went down in America, a few of our bands who are maybe a bit less pathetic to, or you know, the same, where they're very much like, oh, well, it's gone down, it's not our fault, and weren't necessarily aware of the consequences of not talking to the audience about it, um, which is fine because they have to do that and they have to do the other guys. But I guess some bands maybe don't have anybody that understands that it's important to communicate that to your fans. Um, will have problems. Um, so I don't think you necessarily need to hire a PR team to cope with these things, but you just need to be understanding uh, the impact of these things yourselves and try and be as open as honest and courteous and polite as possible. And I think uh, you'll get the best out of a bad situation in that way. All right. So let's flip the question. Uh, let's flip it back to something more positive, right? Uh, what's the sentence <laughs> like going to be for Megalaya? Is it going to be similar to the shows you've played earlier in summer? Uh, I reckon it probably is, yeah. I um, we might take our summer festival set out to uh, this time around. I think we're playing for an hour. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be, a, it'll be a similar set of songs played this year across all the records. Right. What's one song that's your personal favourite to perform live and why? Um, at the moment, I'm really enjoying playing Juno from... Um, uh, from Sonda, uh, it's just a really, really fun song. And um, when we first started playing it last year, it was quite difficult. It took us quite a long time to really nail it and get it um, as tight as we'd like. And we had to work really hard at it. And, then, and now it's very rewarding that we can play it well. Um, and yeah, it's just really good fun. So yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll probably change my mind next month, but that's what I like at the moment. All right. So can we play it on the podcast? I guess so, yeah.
James, uh, here's your next question, and you don't really have to answer this one, but let's give it a shot. Is there a song that you've become a bit tired of playing live? <laughs> um, I personally don't really enjoy playing April very much, um, but that's not because of the song. Okay. I think it's mainly because uh, for 90% of it, I play three notes over and over again, and it gets really boring. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, like the rest of the band are having much more fun than me. I'm literally playing a couple of notes over and over again. Um, but, you know, it's not so it's, I, I just like the song. I like the song. It's just a boring way to then, you know, can't really complain about that, really. That's a very, very small complaint. <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> thanks uh, thanks for being a sport and answering that uh by the way uh is anyone in the band including you are you guys into the marvel comic or cinematic universe at all and i'm sure you know where this is going uh yeah um jay is quite <laughs> into i suppose um none of us are massive comic um uh, but yeah okay uh, my kids are into it <laughs> Okay, so the question is, how many times has the band as such uh, been approached for people coming in expecting this to be a Marvel tribute band or something? Has that ever happened? Uh, no, I wish it happened more because uh, <laughs> they might reach more audiences. Now, we occasionally get asked if we name the band after the Avengers, um, even though the movie came out. Or was it exactly. Yeah, or it, it came out after your thing. Yeah, but um, but yeah, no. One thing we do, I find quite funny actually, is, is um, there are loads of other music, but an art, artist called Tesseract, it's like a, a 70s pop band called Tesseract. Yeah. There's, there's like a, a Bristol drum and bass like, crew called Tesseract who I've started following recently, they're really good. Um, and then uh, there's something else, I found another Tesseract somewhere, I think it's a Psytrance festival somewhere in Europe. Like, so yeah, it seems to be quite common. Yeah, and actually I was looking up have, that you're mentioning it. There was actually a startup here in India that it got acquired recently called Tesseract. So tesseract.in actually is their URL. No way. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, from your social media updates, uh, anyone can kind of tell that you have been in the studio. Uh, what can you tell us about the new material that you're working on? Um, it's, it's early days at the moment because um, we've got a couple of tracks that are sketched out. Um, but we're not entirely sure where the whole direction is going. Uh, one one track's quite quite heavy. Um, it's got a, a big anthemic chorus and quite a heavy riff. The other track's a little bit more floaty and spacey. Uh, but there's, there's hours and hours of ideas. So. Basically, the next 10 months is going to be turning those ideas into songs. Um, well, I'm hoping in six months' time we'll have a much better idea of what the album is going to be like. So at the moment, we don't know ourselves. We're just seeing what works and what doesn't and um, hoping for the best. <laughs> okay, right. so uh, just, to, just, to hear, uh, just to hear that, right, that's around 10 months of pre-production overall? Um, more than pre-production... And the actual album end up sort of kind of the whole thing works together really. Um, sometimes the pre-production okay. developing to the final tracks because um, Ackle writes in well he puts it all together in Cubase and quite often uh -huh. those Cubase sessions end up 
end up being the final sessions anyway with everything kind of developed on top of it. So it's kind of hard to know when pre-production becomes demo, then becomes it's um, a fluid kind of process. Okay, so is there a deadline as of that uh, the band is working with? And can we know what it is? Uh, well, we don't have a deadline. Um, I think the label would like us to have a deadline and we've purposely not told them we haven't put the things in motion for the next part of the album campaign and also not have a deadline because we basically don't want to rush this one. Um, Sonda we're happy with, but it was rushed. We had deadlines to meet and we had to get it done by a certain time and um, a few of us weren't 100% happy with the results. So this one we're basically going to take our time with it. However, we're not doing very much between now and next summer and we want so with no touring or anything, we want to focus on the recording. I think we'd like to have something finished by next summer, but that's what that's our personal goal at the moment. That's not a deadline. Um, so if we're lucky, we'll have something out at the end of next year or time next year, but um, maybe not. We don't know yet. That's really great to hear. And I'm sure everyone listening to this will be really excited and looking forward to new material from yours. Oh, I hope. I hope it turns out okay. <laughs> I hope you guys, yeah, I, I really hope you guys get some inspiration for something really cool and new and awesome from your trip to Meghalaya that's coming up. A lot of people are waiting for that. Mm. Awesome to hear. Thank you so much for spending some time out. I know how uh, vexing it can be at times to just pull away from work and do these kind of other <laughs> work-related, non-work-related work requests. No worries, it's nice to have a break. <laughs> yeah, All right, we won't keep you away from your work any longer. Thank you so much and haunts up. Cool. Again, 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 I know, don't kill us. Bear with us on those sound issues. I'm sorry about that. Peter, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. We tried our best. <laughs> <laughs> James, yeah. get a better internet connection. <laughs> no, but you know, the I'm I'm sorry. I think I'm sounding a little bit too rude. But yeah, I think James, if you're up for it, let's do this conversation again. Um, maybe when we can actually talk a bit more at length and at ease. And yeah, we'll try and we'll try and do this one better. It's weird, right? This is just like the fucking Bangalore gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah but, that but, Bangalore but, gig. But but, the bo- but you missed the Bombay gig th- earlier on this year. I did miss the Bombay gig, but uh, that was an incredible gig. I hope Meghalaya goes off really well for them, which would mean that our next recording with James Monteith and of Tezrak will go really well. True. I'm, I got nothing more to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it was just nice to hear his perspective on things. I mean... We keep talking to bands that are coming to India or played India and stuff like that. But it's kind of good to hear from a band that has been playing, has played so many times in over the past 10 years. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to Anurag Tagat. uh, Shout out to Anurag. How are you doing? We're still in Bombay. We're waiting for you to move us to Bangalore. (laughs) Horns Up Inc. What was that? (laughs) Horns up holdings, horns up ink, or something of that sort. <laughs> but yeah, Anurag and I were uh, comparing notes, and we we're like, who's the Indian? I mean, who's the metal band that has played India the most? So demonic resurrection, I meant scepter, foreign bands. Okay, so. foreign band. Yeah. So 
if you, if you have the answer, <laughs> please hit us up. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. If you have that answer, please hit us up. Because yeah. like names that were thrown around were like Megadeth. Uh, yeah, right. Megadeth has actually played here so many times yeah. now. So I think I think that's a good note to end this episode. Yeah, and guess what, bitches? We've got another big name coming at you next week. Another big metal band from abroad that's actually played India before. It'll take you longer to say their song titles than it would to like say their band name. Yeah, and that's because the band name is just four letters long. It begins with N and ends with E and has I and L in the middle. <laughs> way to go, yeah. Anamesh. Yeah, way to go, way to go. No, man, you have to hype these things up now. That's how you like advance promotion. If there's something that I've learned from PR... And from James and our conversation is the fact that we need to sell ourselves a bit more. Get more listeners, uh, become like, I don't know, social influencers and stuff. And All right, then so like, so yeah, so whatever. This is, this, is, this is my best hype going on. Tune in next week because we've got Carl fucking Sanders on the show. You heard it right there. Stay tuned for next week. Till next time. Horns up. Horns up. <laughs>